0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Does that get your blood moving a little bit? It is track season, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, hey, we want to welcome you here again uh, to Hope Des Moines. My name is John, and we just want to say a huge welcome uh, to you that uh, are here, maybe for the first time, just checking things out. Uh, We want you to know, even if there isn't room for you physically uh, here, we'll find a chair for you, we'll get everybody in, Uh, but there's room for you in our family, and we always want you uh, to know that, that you are loved here, that you are welcomed here, uh, and that we love to see uh, all those new faces. Hey, praise God for baptism today, again, absolutely, it never gets old. It never gets old, and someday that will be a great story. Uh, that'll, be, that'll be awesome. Uh, but we want to we praise God for what he's doing uh, in our lives. We say this phrase a lot around here, but it could not be more true today. God is on the move. Amen? Yes. God is on the move, and that could not be more true of where we're at in the story uh, as well. A lot of you have been reading through this uh, with us. Can you believe that next week is our final week of the story? I can tell you care a lot. Okay, good. Uh, well, we have been reading through this since uh, September, uh, and uh, we have read through a good portion of the entirety of the Bible. And for those of you that have been following along and reading this along at home, that's quite the accomplishment. We're really excited about that. We've been reading through and uh, these 31 uh, powerful and impactful stories of Scripture. And it could not be more true of our story today about the Apostle Paul as we learn to run the race, just as we saw up there on the screen. Not just physically, but how do we run the race of life that every single one of us is running every day? How do we do that Successfully. And so don't check out, don't think, oh, we're almost done, or, you know, the school year's almost done and we're heading into summer, so I'm just going to kind of get lazy and lollygag my way into the summer. No, there are some amazing things that we don't want you to miss in these final two chapters. Andy's going to talk to us about Revelation uh, next week, which is always just a very calm, peaceful topic for people. Uh, so we can be really excited uh, about that. But this chapter that we're in today contains parts of the book of Ephesians and Galatians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, these books make up a good chunk of the last fourth of your Bible that a lot of our theology, that a lot of our understanding of God is based on. So don't skip over this and don't miss this. God has certainly been on the move. And if you remember last week in the story of Paul, it is a miracle that Paul is out speaking and preaching the gospel to the Gentiles and uh, planting all these churches. If you look uh, up at our map, uh, there's a few more flames than there was last week. And if we had flames, we would cover a good portion of this map because what started down here in Jerusalem as Jesus came back from the dead and eventually moved up to Antioch, which was the center of the church and where people first became uh, known as Christians, started spreading throughout the Roman Empire into Italy and Greece and Lower Asia, what we know as Asia Minor. And Paul's planting all these churches, but if you were here last week, you know that's a miracle. Because Paul was somebody that used to persecute Christians, that hated Christians, that wanted them dead, and because God intervened in his life, he was given a new mission. And as we read in the book of Timothy this week, Paul kind of gives us a snapshot, a summary of his story. And it says this, Paul says this in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Now listen to this. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. And then this is how he ends it. And let's read this together up on the screen. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And I have to believe this morning that for some of you, that's going to resonate because you're sitting there this morning going, that's the only reason that I'm sitting here in this church this morning. Amen? Because the grace of God was poured out on you abundantly. Because Jesus Christ is the only one that's capable of changing our lives and helping us become who we were created to be. That's why you're here. That's why a lot of us are here. Only by the grace of God. And you can only, for a lot of you, you can only imagine, where would I be without Christ? Right? Where would I be if God had never intervened? Where would I be if God had never met me on my road just as Paul was met on the road. So that's where our story starts today because God showed up. And Paul is planting these churches in Philippi and Ephesus and Galatia and and even to Rome and Corinth. And that's where these letters that you have, these books of the Bible, come from. But it would be naive to think that everything just went smoothly. It would be naive to think that there was no hardship. Because everywhere where Paul went, he was met with opposition. Everywhere he went, people didn't say, oh yeah, come on in. We'll just throw out our Jewish religion. We'll just throw out our Greek and Roman gods and you just come on in and you can tell us all about Jesus and we'll all be happy. If that was the case, these books of the Bible would be a lot shorter than they are. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but a majority of the book of Acts is Paul and his other missionary friends Suffering. And being persecuted. And I know that's not very cheery and it seems very un American to talk about, right? These are the parts of the Bible we like to kind of avoid because when you have Jesus in your life, everything's supposed to be great and happy and perfect and you're never supposed to have any tr- trouble. But that's just not the case. That's not what we read in the Bible, that's not the stories that we read. And so we get passages like this from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. If you want to look this up, you can. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 24. This is Paul speaking about his journeys. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes, meaning whipped, beaten. Verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I know what that's like. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. On and on and on and on. That's the book of Acts in a nutshell. So my question is, anybody want to sign up to plant some churches with Paul? Seemed pretty exciting at the beginning. Jesus is back from the dead. Everything's great. But if we avoid this part of Christianity, we miss a whole lot of it. What we discover is that in the early church for these early followers of Jesus, they were so compelled by the gospel. It wasn't just a part of their life. It wasn't just something they did once a week in the synagogues. It was everything Christianity wasn't just, oh, I'm just going to put Jesus over here and kind of go do my church thing. It compelled them to the point where Paul would endure suffering and persecution like that because to know Jesus and to make Jesus known was the greatest treasure that he could ever experience. And I wonder, is that true for you today? Maybe you've never experienced suffering and persecution like that, but I wonder, when's the last time you were compelled to do something for the sake of Christ, that there was something inside of you that just said, there's so much more to this. That the, was the case for Paul. If you've got your story Bibles, open them up to page 399, or we're going to be in the book of Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 22. So at the very bottom of page 399, the beginning of chapter 30, Paul says this before his last trip And so as you saw that video at the beginning of the sermon and those guys were running with every ounce of energy and passion that they have, that's what I imagine Paul's life to be. Except he wasn't just running after some prize or some gold medal. Did you hear what he said? My race, Paul says, the goal of this race is the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That's what I'm running after. That's what my life is all about. I am compelled to bring the gospel to them. Something has happened in Paul where he later says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I live, I don't have anything to fear because Christ lives in me. I have nothing to fear in this life. But if I die, I have nothing to fear either because I know I'm going to be with God forever. Wouldn't it be awesome to be able to say that? I'm free. I have nothing to fear in this life, and I don't have to fear death even. And that's what there were, where Paul has come, come to, and, and that is the race that is marked out for him. And so as Paul starts to unpack these things, and he nears the end of his life, he uses the analogy of all things of a runner, of a marathon runner, somebody that is training and competing in a race, to describe the Christian life that all of us are living of all the illustrations, of all the analogies that he could use, that's what he uses, is a marathon race. How ironic, after what we've experienced this past week. And so for Paul, he knew that the way that we spend our days is very much like training and ultimately running a race. And scripture talks a lot about running the race as well. Paul says, listen to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says this, Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? So run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, and they do it to get a crown that will not last. But then he says this, But we run for a crown that will last forever. Remember the question that was up on the screen? During the offering? That's the question of the day is what are you running after? If you are like those sprinters, if you're like a marathon runner and you are aiming towards a goal, towards a prize, what's the purpose of your life? What are you running after? Is it to get that promotion? Is it to make more money so you can get more prestige? Is it to increase your social networking skills so you can have more popularity and connections? Is it to get that next bonus? Is it to get that next paycheck? Is it to get that title or that degree or that prestige? Is it to just get more stuff? Because those things are never going to last, Paul says. You're going you're to run. You're going to sprint your entire life. And you're going to get to the finish line. and You're going to say, I won! And at the end of your life, you're going to go, but I can't take any of it with me. There's no U-Hauls in heaven. You ever thought about that? There's no titles or degrees or checkbooks in heaven. There's relationships, most importantly, with the God that made you. And so Paul says, I want to show you how to run your race, how to live your life in a way where you're going to get to the finish line and that's not going to happen to you where you're gonna get to the end and you're gonna get a prize that's far greater than anything this world can offer and that's knowing Jesus Christ and bringing some other people along. That's the goal of our lives, amen? And so Paul's gonna show us how to do that. He's gonna give us a blueprint for how we can live our lives and right here in the moment, even though we're gonna experience pain and suffering and hardship with Christians are not immune to, I can't make myself any clearer on that, Okay? When you sign up for this, you're not signing up for easiness. You're signing up for a joy that's deeper than circumstances. Happiness is based on circumstances. Joy is based on something deeper at the level of the soul. Do you have that kind of joy? Okay? That's what Paul is offering to us. And so I am just want to highlight three keys to running the race, which actually apply to physically running a race, but also to running the race in our spiritual lives as well. And the first key is this. If you're keeping score at home, there's a little place for notes on the back of your bulletin. I just want you to write three things down today. And the first one is this. The first key that Paul talks about in the race is you've got to have the proper training. You've got to have the proper training. So let's say that I declare to you today as Pastor John that three months from now, I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to run a 26, what is it? 26. Point what? 26.2 miles. I'm going to run that. I am not in shape. I will admit that to you. I am not a runner, okay? So let's say I do nothing for the next three months, and I show up on race day with a, a two-liter of Mountain Dew and a bag of Doritos, and I say, I'm ready! I'm ready to run the race, right? And I take off, and about half a mile into it, I am just puking my guts out, right? And I don't even finish. And I kind of crawl to the finish line, and there, there all of you are standing there at the finish line, and I'm just like, you guys, I don't... I don't get it. I, I tried really, really hard. I ran really hard. Why, why, didn't, why didn't I finish? Why didn't I do very well? What would you say? You didn't train. You didn't train. And nothing could be more true of our spiritual lives as well. Anybody that's mastered a trade or mastered a particular skill in their life, whether it's sports or art or playing the piano or, or, or whatever it is, you spend hours and hours doing that and you reorient your life in order to become that thing or become that person. So why would it be any different with our lives as disciples, as followers of Jesus, right? If I'm training to run the race of life as a follower of Jesus, it would be helpful if I trained to be godly. And that's what Paul says to Timothy in our chapter today. In fact, let's read this together up on the screen. This is what Paul says to uh, Timothy, a young church planter that he's mentoring. Let's read this. Train yourselves to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. And so as much time as you put in at the gym or running physically, Paul says, don't forget about your soul training not just once a month but daily as if you were preparing for a race and it's the little things that end up making the biggest difference so what are those little things well paul answers that as well and he says this to timothy later on first timothy chapter 4 verse 12 he says this don't let anyone look down on you because you are young but set an example for the believers in speech in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and teaching. You know, I'm often asked, the people I meet with, John, how do I really grow in my faith? I love love being here on Sundays, but I really want to go closer to God. And some of you have even asked me, I've heard this so many times, this is who I am today, And this is the kind of person that I want to be. And I don't know how to get from here to here. And you know what my answer is? Do the little things well. Do the little things well consistently. And what are those little things? Well, Paul says to Timothy, how's your speech? Is it crude? Is it respectful of others? Or is it harsh? Is it full of gossip? Do you enjoy talking about other people in a way that they wouldn't necessarily appreciate? Are you a trustworthy friend? Are you the kind of friend that somebody else would want? How's your prayer life? How's getting into God's word daily? Not once every three months, but daily as if you were preparing for a marathon. And that, and, and any of these are as a guilt trip. It's just saying if this is who we're training to be, christ-like then you got to do it more than once a month or once a year that's why jesus says my word is your daily bread daily it's daily preparation daily training how how are you in doing those things that nobody will ever notice do you have integrity in your life guys what what is how is your thought life when you look at other women women how is your thought life when you look at other men that are not your husband, that are not your wife? Those things that nobody will ever know. Do you do the little things well and do you do them consistently? Paul says when you do these things over and over, they're going to become natural. They're going to become the natural rhythm to your life. It's been said that how we spend our days is how we'll spend our weeks. And how we spend our weeks is how we'll spend our months. And how we spend our months is how we'll spend our years, and how we spend our years will be your legacy. Will be the kind of life that you hand down to your children and to your grandchildren and to the guys in your small group and to the women in your small group and to the people that are around you. Are you doing the little things well consistently? So that's the first thing. Number one, we're called to have proper training, but that's not it. We know that you can train all day long, but when it comes to the running the race, if you've got clutter, if you've got baggage, if you've got things that are hindering you from running, you're not going to run very fast. And every time I think of this, I think of this story. One of my high school classmates was really, really good at, I mean, he was almost an all state track star. And his name was Steve. And so I, I can picture the scene there. We're in high school. It's a senior year high school. It's one of the final track meets of the year. And the track is full of people. And you know in track meet, kind of the, the inside grass of the track is kind of the infield. And that's where everybody's hanging out from all the different schools. And so there's Steve, and he's hanging out. He's a pretty popular guy. He's pretty cool. So he's hanging out, and he's uh, talking with some people from the other schools. Well, his specialty is the 400 meters, and the 400 meters is at the end of the track meet. So he's like, oh, I got plenty of time. I'm just going to hang out here and relax. And I've got my wind suit on. i got my wind pants and my, my coat and my track cleats, my track shoes. And so the, the meet's going on, and it's getting towards the end. I'm sitting up in the stands watching all this. And the announcer comes on and says, there's no time for the, it's no time for the 400 meters, right? I love doing that. And, uh, and uh, so everybody starts lining up. And the, the announcer starts, you know, in lane one, you know, and then on and on and on sorry, this fell off. I should stop playing with that. Um, It goes on and on and on. They get to lane five and they're like, Steve. He had a last name. I won't, I'll protect the innocent, right? He's not there. Where's Steve? Everybody's looking around. Where's Steve? And then all these heads go to the infield and there's Steve. I won't lay down for you, but he's laying down, relaxing with his legs crossed. Guess who he's talking to? Girls from the rival school. Yeah, you better believe it. He got so distracted that he didn't even know his race was starting. And so our track coach sprints himself, grabs Steve, puts him on the starting line, right? And the gun is just about to go off. And as Steve is kind of running over to the starting line, he's ripping off his wind suit and, his, and he's trying to get his pants off. But the gun goes off before he can get his, his track pants off, right? He's got shorts underneath, right? But he's taking his, his wind suit off. And so he's like... I got to run. And so Steve takes off the 400 meters in his wind pants, it, okay? Which is fine, but as you run, those types of pants tend to get a little loose. And so Steve's about halfway around the track, and everybody's kind of laughing and watching him, and his pants are gradually getting lower and lower so that he can't run anymore. He's kind of waddling like this, right? And he's running. He's like, I can't stop because I'm going to lose the race, but I can't run because I'm hindered. Because I've got this baggage on. My pants are falling off in front of hundreds of people. And he's running around and he's waddling. And so all of a sudden, he just stops about halfway around, sits down on the grass, rips his shoes off, throws them that way, takes off his, uh, his wind pants. And I will never forget, he just chucks them. He just goes, whoosh, whoosh. And he just throws them into the infield, puts his shoes back on, and takes off all to finish dead last, of course. But everybody cheered when he crossed the finish line. Nonetheless, his shoes were untied. Complete disaster. Lost the race. Dead last. There's two morals from this story. Number one, don't talk to girls. <laughs> and number two, it's really, really, really hard to run the race when you, have, when you have hindrances. When you have things that entangle you. And that's exactly what the book of Hebrews says talks about. I, I cannot read this scripture without thinking about th- Steve ripping off his pants and throwing them, okay? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Let's read this together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And so my question for you this morning is, what's got you all tangled up What are you carrying as you're running this race of life that you don't need to carry anymore? Is it guilt from your past? Is it shame? Is it that sin that just keeps entangling you and you can't escape from it? Is it the constant anxiety and fear that you live your life with? And I think God wants to say to you this morning, just chuck it off, (laughs) Just rip it off and throw it away so you can run. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And you don't have to carry those things any longer. What's that baggage that you have that just needs to be ripped off and thrown away so you can run? So number one, proper training. Number two, get rid of anything that hinders you. But number three, there's a key that we often tend to overlook. When I showed you that video at the very beginning, I don't know if you noticed in a couple of the clips, they were relays. And so as one track star was finishing the race, what was he giving to the next guy? The baton. The baton. And that's the third key that I want you to know this morning. As you run your race, know when to pass the baton. Not the physical baton, but every single one of us is called to pass on the faith to the next generation. And I don't care if you're 18 or if you're 80. Every single one of us has people that are younger than us that we are called to pass on the faith to. And Paul understood this better than anyone. You've already heard this, his wisdom to Timothy, but Timothy was probably in his 20s or 30s. He was a young man. And Paul comes along as his church-planting mentor. Timothy eventually led the church in Ephesus. And Paul comes along as his mentor, and he says... Uh, and he says this. He says in, uh, in a second letter to Timothy, he says to Timothy, my dear son, I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Two important things from that passage. Number one, the baton of faith has clearly been passed, get this, by the ladies. That's right. The ladies often don't get a shout out in scripture but here they are, Right? Timothy, one of the greatest church planners of all time, was raised by his grandma and his mom, and they passed on the faith. The second thing that I want you to notice is that what did Paul call Timothy? Buddy, pal? No, son. Clearly, we know historically they were not related, so why would Paul call Timothy his son? If you had spent a majority of your life reproducing your character, your love, your habits, your way of life in somebody else, wouldn't you see yourself as a mother or father figure to them? And that's exactly what Paul was for Timothy. I, I think a lot about uh, my son, who's three weeks old. I just thought of that, three weeks old today. And I look at him and I go, you know, it's kind of cool that he has my cheeks, It's kind of cool that he has my lips and my eyebrows, that he has my ears. But you know what I really hope that I passed on to him over the next 18 years? A relationship with God. More than anything. I don't care what he likes. I don't care if he likes sports or what hobbies he has. I don't care what if he goes to college. I don't care what he studies. I want him to know Jesus Christ. Just as Paul said that. To Timothy. That's the only thing that I truly want to reproduce in my son. And that I feel like we're called to reproduce in younger generations. And so when Paul says to Timothy, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, it's the truth. And so my question for you this morning is Do you have a mentor? I don't care what age you are, we never graduate from Christianity. Do you have a mentor? Do you have somebody that you can look at their life and imitate their life? Or on the flip side of that, who are you mentoring? I'm not asking for perfection. Paul's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Who are you mentoring? Who are you passing the baton to? Because for some of you, you're saying, I'm getting to the end of my race, and I'm holding out that baton, and I don't want to just drop it. The baton of faith needs to be passed. Who are you pouring into? One of the things I love about this church, just as a side note, is that we have all different generations. And I think one of the biggest barriers to passing the baton of faith is that for us in the younger generations, we don't think we need the older generations because they're old and are boring and irrelevant, which is not true. And for the older generations, the problem is, the barrier for you is you don't think you have anything to offer to the younger generations. But you do, and you're absolutely essential to passing on the baton of faith. Amen? Amen. And so we miss each other like ships in the night. And that's my challenge to you. If you're an older woman or an older man, and you can determine what old means, I'm not going to go into that, take somebody younger to coffee this week. Invest in their life. If you're younger, seek out somebody twice your age and say, Can you teach me? Can you teach me what it means to love Jesus? Can you teach me how to be a husband or a father? Because I need that. Who are you passing the baton to and who are you receiving it from? And last but not least, you know, the truth, the reality of this life is we can go through life and we can do all these things. We can train, we can get rid of hindrances, we can pass the baton. But at the end of the day, sometimes when you're running the race, it's really scary. And unexpected challenges come, and that's certainly true of this past week, that this marathon in Boston that was all over the news. And I thought, you know, I could tell you all about it, or you could hear about it for some people that were actually there, running the race. And so I'm going to have Jack and Jamie Johnson come up, as well as uh, Paxton uh, Bennett, and uh, they're going to come on up and be my uh, special guests on the panel today. So welcome them up here today. So as we get started, we're going to play a little game called, which one of these people is not like the other ones? Um, So which one of the four of us, would you guess, is not a ridiculously talented marathon runner? Wow, that was easier than I thought. Lucky guess, I guess. Um, But I just want to start off by giving everyone just a little bit of background. Jack, we'll have, have you start and just have each of you share... Just a little bit. We're talking about running today. We're talking about racing, both physically, but also in our spiritual lives as well. And so, just each of you, really quick, how long have you been running and what inspired you to be a marathon runner and then to qualify for the Boston Marathon?
1: All right. um, I've been running, (laughs) well, I guess actually running since. You were born, probably. Yeah, since I was very young, but actually marathon training. Probably my first marathon was in 2009, and um, it was actually shortly after I would met Jamie. She would run about six before I met her, and she got me inspired to start running. Actually, that distance, I'd run other races. It's a little extra motivation there. Exactly. And so it's been about you know four or five years of actual marathon running. But cool. Before that, I I'm a runner, but nothing yeah, too serious. Nothing too serious. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Jamie, went
2: um, I've been running since 2002, okay. so um, at that time, I guess my first race ever was a marathon uh, that I run. <laughs> Overachiever, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, what inspired, just the the distance, you know, the, the marathon, the, what, sure. it, what it stood for is what got me into it to start. Cool. And my brother, I ran with my brother, so he was sure. a big influence. He's a big-time runner, so. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Cool. Paxton, how about you when you think about what got you started running and then why marathons?
3: Um, I've always ran and then I took some time off and then uh, 2006 was I ran Des Moines. Um, I actually ran Dam to Dam and two crazy women that I hung out with said, let's run Des Moines and I'm like, you're crazy and, <laughs> and now I'm still running. Um, actually Des Moines I tried to qualify for Boston, bad idea, first time. And
0: took a couple of years, but I'm going back next year for the third time. So Awesome. So we'll keep it here with you, Paxton. So you mentioned Boston, and all of us have been watching this on the news and thinking, wow, what would it, what would it be like to actually be there and be a part of this race? Um, can you tell me just a little bit about where you were when you first heard the news of the bombings, and then just kind of what you experienced being around around there that day? Sure. Um we
3: actually finished up. Um, we had Jamie and a couple other friends were there, so we actually took off. We were on the subway, and I was actually just checking uh, some updates, and I saw that there's explosions at the uh, at the marathon. Had no idea what was going on, and then I lost cell service, and um, I don't know exactly when we heard knew that it actually officially was bombings because it's kind of a blur. Uh, but we got kicked off the subway, had to walk to the car, which is Probably about a half mile away, which was interesting. And then uh, we were actually we drove back up to uh, Caleb's place where we were staying at, and I, I was I wasn't wasn't too worried about it. We get a lot of messages from people, but then Jamie mentioned, Hey, there's four ambulances sitting off the side of the road. And uh, at first I'm like, no big deal. But then we we were driving through the tunnel, and I, I don't we didn't really say too much, but at that point, I kind of like okay, bombs, tunnels. I kind of freaked out That's a little scary, bit, yeah. we didn't say anything, but I was kind of like you know thank God I didn't say anything because I didn't want anybody we didn't want obviously anybody to panic. Then right. we went to the bridge I'm like thinking, bombs, bridge, not a good idea, but we got over, and then uh, after that it was kind of i you know I was kind of
0: feeling much better after that, mm-hmm. so how about you guys? I know you were kind of together, but just maybe personally what what was the experience like of yeah understanding I mean, what happened? we
1: were actually stuck on the on the train, I think, when it actually happened, so that we were stopped for about twenty minutes, thirty minutes, we had no clue really what was going on and um, literally in the dark uh, underground and um, I think it was more of it's kind of a everybody was just kind of stunned i mean we mm-hmm. we, we got off the the train they, they they kind of pulled up, and by that time, we could hear enough people on the train talking about things and kind of murmuring and whispering we didn't really know what the how serious it was. And then when you get off, you see kind of people just walking around. There's nobody, there's no cars driving, there's ambulances flying down to the to the scene from all different you know, parts of mm-hmm. Boston. And we were, you know, we didn't see anything on TV, so it was kind of a confusing time. Uh, and um, just not a lot said, really. But I think after we get back and reflect on it, there's, there's just a lot of things you think about. Um, you know, we could have easily been down there. Paxton actually jumped out of a line of a massage just before um nice he was he was in line and and we would have been down there if he would have taken that. So um it was it's just a lot of things you kinda of reflect on afterwards you think of would I have been there and yeah. um it it's still kind of processing I think. Yeah and it'll be a while I think before we all kind of
0: hundred percent process
1: what actually happened.
0: But. Right. Yeah Jamie I know I was talking to you guys earlier this week and just watching it on the news and saying I was right there, <laughs> and I know you were cheering them on and, and watching them. What was it like this week and as you process experiencing all of this? Is there fear? Is there anxiety still? Or what What are you thinking about this week as you reflect on that?
2: I went through a moment kind of that day of when um, we started, you know, we're on the train figuring it out just as everybody else was figuring it out and completely overwhelmed at the calls and text messages and stuff that we were getting. Um, and that kind of didn't really heighten our fear, but all of a sudden, you know, that made, you know, us just like, oh, my goodness, there's a lot of people that are, that are worried about us, and we have yeah. to get, get a note out there that we're okay. Yeah. And then we started going through a lot of the what-ifs. You yeah. know, what if Paxson was still in line for massage? We would have been right around the corner. Um, what if we would have said, oh, we want to see people at the finish line? We would have walked down mm-hmm. there. Well, you can go through a zillion what ifs, and mm-hmm. you know we weren't there. They're very, very fast runners, um, <laughs> so they were done. We were finished. We were on the train. Um, so it's really just gratefulness is all that yeah. we can express from it.
0: Absolutely. I'll I'll have it start back here with Pax, and I just want each of you to share. Kind of my last question is, um, needless to say, all of you are excellent runners and have made a. A life out of this and and as we were talking about training and doing all those things today you know what that's like in a physical sense but i think the thing that i think is so cool and that i admire that i think we all admire about each of you is that you have just a strong if not a stronger faith in jesus christ as you run the race of life and that's more important to you than prizes or ribbons or medals or, or what place you finish or any of those things as you think about running again and i know paxton you kind of hinted at this do i go back Next year, do I not go back? When we run the race of life, it can be scary, and we never know what's going to come our way. We lose our job. We go through a divorce. Relationship, you know, anything can come our way. When you think about running in the future, do you have fears? Do you think about going back? And and how does your faith inspire you in that, I guess?
3: Um, You know, it'll be interesting. I'm running a marathon in four weeks. So um, actually I'm pacing, so I'm helping other people out. So that'll actually kind of be comforting that I have other people with me for my first experience back out there. Yeah. Um, You know, at first um, I did some interviews and I said I wasn't sure if I'd go back to Boston, but um, me and Jack have both already qualified for next year and uh, we were thinking about going to London. But um, I'm definitely going back to Boston just for the fact that, uh, um, you know, it's, I think it's important to get back out there, for number one, for me, but I think I need to get back out there to support the fans. Um, I've not had great experiences as far as running the Marathon in Boston. I've, not, I've had a couple of rough times. Um, you know, I was, thinking, I was reflecting, I almost ran right by where the bomb was because uh, the fans kind of pulled me through the last couple of miles of the race, and they give you high fives, and they're there supporting you, and they stand out there for hours just for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this
0: great cloud of witnesses thing is pretty real <laughs> yeah so
3: I, I honestly i need to be, i feel it 's important for me to be back out there for them because yeah. um, Boston, i 've run plenty of different marathons, and their their fans are like no others i mean they 're out there deep out there having a good time, and they 're cheering you on they don 't even know who you are, but they 're out there for you, right. so I need to go back out there for them
0: totally so Jack, how about you guys, just in terms of? How running the race of life is very similar to what you experienced this past week, and how does your, your faith impact your running, I guess?
1: Yeah, I mean, racing and, and faith is, is there's, a, there's a ton of similarities. I mean, you've heard John mention mm-hmm. quite a few of them. And a lot of it <clears throat> comes down to the kind of the, the struggles you go through throughout the race. And, you know, there's lots of points in the race where it's difficult, and then it gets easier. And, um, a lot of that you know, comes down to how, how, how much you've trained and being very disciplined in your training and consistent. Like you said, you just can't show up to the race without training or it'll show up on race day. I mean, right. it'll, it'll be obvious. You can't hide it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the training is done in, in private, in secret. Nobody's going to clap, clap for you when you're running your 18-miler by yourself on the weekend, right. you know, sacrificing your time. And, but it is worth it on that day. Absolutely. And and that's kind of similar to, to faith, and mm-hmm. there's going to be struggles, and
0: there's going to be trials, and there's going to be hills, and it's worth it. Absolutely. Jamie, how about you, just in terms of your, how your faith interacts with the running?
2: The one thing I always think about is not everyone's race looks the same. You are mm. going for that finish line. You can all you know, really train for it, um, but it's not going to look the same. It's going to look and feel completely different for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. But the support that's there, especially on race day, on the sidelines with the other runners, um, just that amazing support. And again, you're all going for uh, that ending prize. Absolutely. And that definitely stands out.
0: Absolutely. Well, we know that uh, we are extremely grateful that uh, the Lord kept all of you safe, but we know that there's a lot of families and people that are grieving and that are still hurting. And so I just wanted to take a moment, if we could just... Thank God for protecting uh, our brothers and sisters, and also just take a moment, if we could, right now and just pray uh, for the victims and their families uh, in Boston. So let's just take a moment. God, we love you, and we thank you that you're a God that is always there for us as we're running the race of life, and we know that sometimes that can be scary. We know that sometimes there are difficulties that we just don't know if we'll be able to overcome. Um, And God, and one of those is death, and one of those is, is evil, and just the darkness that's in this world, and so... God, we, we pray right now for peace and comfort for those families uh, in Boston and also in Texas and around the world that are that are grieving the loss of loved ones today. And, and we know that you are bigger than death, that you have overcome the grave. And so we put our hope and trust in you. And we thank you for uh, bringing Paxton and Jack and Jamie and, and many others, I know, from Des Moines and from Iowa back safely to us. Thank you for protecting them. And I pray that their testimony and their witness would glorify you and they'd be able to share their story with many more people uh, and keep running for your glory so god we love you and we thank you and we pray all this in your name amen amen let's give the three of them a hand so as we close today it's important to remember on a week like this that i know a lot of you are probably watching the television this week and you're thinking what does this world come to Right. It seems so dark, it seems so evil, and it seems like the darkness is winning. And we ask that question, where's God in all this? What's going on, right? And some of you are saying, I'm running that race of life right now, and it seems dark, and it seems scary, and I don't know where to turn, and there's all these unforeseen challenges that are coming our way. It's so important to be reminded on a week like this, when you hear this phrase, Boston Strong, Right? And I love that. And we can be strong for each other. But you know what I thought of when I heard Boston strong? What if we can't be strong sometimes? What if if we can't be strong enough to save ourselves? What if we can't be strong enough to defeat sin and death? And all of us realize that. We can say, I can be strong. We can be strong for Boston. And we can be strong for each other. And on a week like this, I think it's so important for every single one of us to be reminded that we're Jesus strong. And that he's overcome everything. And that we don't have to, just like Paul, I don't have to fear anything in this life and I don't have to even fear death. I don't have to be afraid. If I'm going to a funeral, I'm going to weep and I'm going to mourn and I'm going to rejoice because they're going to be with God. That's the prize that we're running after and they just got to the finish line a little bit quicker than the rest of us did. And so let's use the time that we have on this earth. Let's use the rest of our races to train well, to throw off any hindrances and let's pass the baton. Let's keep passing the baton of faith. And so as you run that race, know that you have a God today that is running with you, that is fighting with you and fighting for you and that through him we have overcome. Amen? We have overcome. And so the band is going to lead us in a new song and Kim's just going to sing a verse for us and then she's going to invite you to stand eventually. I just want you to take a deep breath and I want you to just be in God's house this morning. And I want to read to you these powerful words of the song that we're about to sing. Just listen to God speak this over us today. As you think about running the race and you think about everything that's transpired this week. I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever, he is a friend of mine. My strength is in your name, for you alone can save. You will deliver me because yours is the victory, and nothing formed against me shall stand because you hold the whole world in your hands. I'm holding on to your promises. For whom shall I fear? For whom shall I fear? In this life or the next? For whom shall I fear? Amen? So I just invite you to be fully present, to let God sing over you. As Kim introduces this song for us, And then I pray that you would be here today, that you would stand, and that you would sing it with everything you've got. Let's be reminded of God's promises this morning, that he is the one who goes ahead, who goes before us, and his is the victory.